When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Dan Dockage here. Get ready for it because Donald Trump mugshot back on Twitter. What, are you kidding me, Brett Favre? I tell you, it's always the same person. Don't at me starts now. Hey, good morning this morning, and welcome to another hot day here in the Midwest. It happened, ladies and gentlemen. You've been asking for it. You've been missing it. And now you're going to get it. What, pray tell, am I asking? The Donald! Donald Trump is back on Twitter, and I contend the world is a much better place to Donald last night after his arrest, after his mugshot. My man went on Twitter, and my man is back, baby. Now, people are mad. Of course they're mad because they know when the Donald gets back on Twitter, things start shaking, baby. It's happening. Donald Trump on Twitter is a really good thing for all of us, particularly those of us in the content industry. Why the content industry? Because he gives great content. Look, all right, let's go through this. John Bolton, who is just a crazy man, worked in the cabin, all that stuff, said that, listen for it, Donald Trump looks like a thug in this mugshot. A thug, you say? A thug? Racist? Racist? Shut down the internet. Somebody used the word thug. Shut it down. We can't have the word thug out there. Oh, my God. Don't you confess to my eyes are burning. We're using the word thug? Oh, God. No, you know what Donald Trump looks? He looks pissed. Does look a little deranged. And NBC News put out a deal saying that Donald Trump looks unfit for office. Really? What are you supposed to do? Be uh, halfway around Monica Lewinsky and that's fit for office? What are you supposed to do, Barack? You know, I don't know. I don't care what unfit for office is. Here's what I care about. You ready for it? I don't want to hear the word inflation. I want to see gas prices down and I want the stock market up. I've said it forever. Now, you guys get into it. Look, now I'm into the border. Now I want a president that's going to fight crime. I don't want Times Square going back to Times Square in the 70s. We already have an incredible divide in our country. Does Donald Trump bring people together? Probably not. But you know what he does? He separates people of sense from the maniacs. That's the biggest legacy of his presidency. The biggest legacy of his presidency is what we saw yesterday by the NBC News. NBC News, with its 9 million followers on Twitter, said on Twitter, unfit for office. That's what this mugshot shows. You'd have never seen that by NBC News. NBC News and all of these news organizations played it straight. They didn't show you their hand. They gave it to you. They slyly did it. They were very subtle about it. But the fact of the matter is they were never overt about it. Well, yesterday when Donald Trump came back, NBC News showed what I've been talking about for years. They are absolutely one side or the other. Now, 
He separated them. He showed who was a maniac and he showed who was a human being in the United States. And he is back, baby. I don't know. Uh, I assume, I don't see it here, but I'm going to ask for it, Dylan and uh, uh, Nick. I'm sorry. Do we have what, what Trump said? Do we have the video from Trump leaving the courthouse, please? I guess we don't. Uh, I guess I guess we don't have that. But anyway, Trump leaving the courthouse said, "Hey, look, here we go. This is wrong. This is not right. Apparently, we can't use the video. This is not right. I did nothing wrong. I have the right to do these things. Look, here's the deal. This is the American way. When you feel you are wronged, you fight. Period. That's it. I mean, there isn't any other way. When you feel you are wronged." You stand up. And this is one of the things I love about Trump. And this is one of the things that you should love about Trump. Whether you dislike a video from 1987 where he said something or the fact that all of a sudden when he became a Republican, now he's racist. Get rid of all that crap. Okay? All right? But what every American should like about Trump is that you don't hear him being Jay Monahan, the PGA commissioner, who, when it got tough, had to take two weeks off. Pete Buttigieg had to take eight weeks for paternity leave. No, this is a man. This is an old school man. He's being wrongfully accused in his mind, rightfully accused, rightfully accused according to the government. Whether you agree with them or not, that's what they decided, so they put him in jail. But Trump isn't taking two weeks. Jay Monaghan, the PGA commissioner, I need two weeks. No, screw that. Men stand up. Real men stand the hell up. Do you think, I just want you to think about this for just a second. Have you seen where Donald Trump has been phased by any of this, at least publicly? Sure, you can have reports that say he's MFing people behind the scenes. You can hear reports that say he's throwing things against the wall, breaking TVs, whatever reports you want to hear. And you can choose to believe them or not. But the number one thing here for men, for men, for our country, is this dude isn't being affected. And if he is, he's not one of these whiny little millennial little batches that we have out here, like the PGA Tour Commission. I've got to take two weeks. I need eight weeks for paternity leave. Now, shut up. Walk like a damn man. And that's exactly what Trump is doing. Exactly. Now, we're not allowed to use the video because there's all kinds of things relative to YouTube, right? Like YouTube doesn't want this, doesn't want that. And that's cool. That's YouTube's thing. Go fight win. But I'm telling you, he's not sitting in the corner. He's not talking about the stress. Jay Monahan had stress. Pete Buttigieg, oh my God, I had a baby. I need eight weeks. Hey, let me tell you something. You have a baby. You take a day, you go back to work. You don't like that? Tough. 350 billion people in this world, or however many, we're not all going to think alike. You disagree with me? Great. But for me personally, watching how Donald Trump has reacted to being indicted here, being indicted there, mugshot here, vilified there, and he just keeps standing. He just keeps walking. You hear all the time all these little sayings, it's not getting knocked down that matters. It's how you get up. All this crap 
that you read about, you put sayings. That's why I've never been about sayings in my life. Never. Because sayings are crap. Donald Trump is getting knocked down. Boom, boom, boom. And you know what? He just stands up. He just stands up. He just keeps standing up. And he keeps fighting back. It's an inspiration. Like, I get it. Because I say it's an inspiration, I'm a racist, I'm a sexist, I'm, I'm MAGA. I'm happily MAGA. I'm going to raise my hand. I want to make America great again. I want to be a part. I want to live long enough to see America be great again. But this dude keeps getting knocked on his backside, and this dude keeps standing up. And I am here for it. I'm here for it today. I'm here for it tomorrow. I'm here for it the next day. I need eight weeks. Me and Chaston have to breastfeed. <laughs> Jay Monahan. Well, the Saudis, uh, they want to come into golf. Golf. Look him up, this Jay Monahan guy. Drives me nuts. Trump arrested. Trump in pr- trouble. Trump going. Boom. Jay Monahan needs time. I need time for stress. I have stress. Here's what you do. You got stress. Here's what you do. You deal with it publicly. You come home. You take a couple shots of whiskey. You smoke a cigar. You watch Real Housewives. You go to bed. You wake up. You deal with what you're dealing with publicly. You keep your chin up. You quit whining. And away we go. Speaking of whining, we'll get into Ryan Clark coming up here in a minute. But hey, Joe Biden didn't know. Joe Biden did not know. Joe Biden's getting crushed on social media. He says he was working out for an hour and a half. He didn't know anything about a plane crash in Russia. He probably orchestrated the Trump thing, right? Joe Biden is always working out. Look at him. There's our president. He's an American. Yeah, he's got his hat and his aviators and his little coffee, and he has no freaking idea where he is. So there was a big plane crash. A couple of Putin's enemies, well, they got killed. The United States is now saying it was an internal, intentional blast within the plane. Well, we don't trust the United States. I mean, I hate to say it. I, I hate to say it. I do. I, but anything coming out of our government or anything coming out of our media, I'm not trusting. All right? So there's a guy, a Putin rival. His name is Prigozhin. This guy dies. The United States is saying it's an internal plane crash. Intentional as well. Okay. Well, let's hear from Jolt and Joe Biden. Joe Biden didn't know nothing about it. I was working out. <laughs> man. <laughs> and that's the truth, man. <laughs> let's hear from Biden. That's about this by you. I said I'd be careful what I drink what I wrote in. I don't know for a fact what happened, but I'm not surprised. Do you think, do you, do you believe? There's not much that happens when Russia is not behind, but I don't know enough to know the answer. I've been working out for the last hour and a half. What a jackass. I mean, I'm sorry, but my God, you guys let this president win. Uh, this guy, Pergozi, is believed to have died in a fatal crank plane crash. They're saying 12 people or 10 people are dead. 10 dead. They're alleging the plane crash came after a failed coup attempt against Putin. Now, Putin, Putin 
offered his condolences. My, my sincere condolences. You know, so this guy tries a coup against Putin. All right? Guess what? Now he's dead in a plane crash. Interesting. I'm not going to say it, Aaron. Aaron, I'm not going to get us kicked off YouTube. So I'm not going to say what I want to say right now relative to former presidents in the United States who many, many people around them have been uh, killed. I'm not going to say anything about it. I won't. Putin also noted that Prigozhin made serious mistakes in life. (laughs) Oh, man. See, that's old school. It is. That's, that's the stuff you see in movies. And if we could trust anybody, like you can't trust whether or not the United States Department of Justice really believes this plane crash was intentional. I mean, they're alleging and making it sound like it was intentional. It was dumb. You can't trust that. You can't trust NBC. I, seriously. Like, I'm a pretty level-headed guy. I grew up, I trusted what I read. I'm a newspaper guy my whole life. I delivered the newspaper because I wanted the paper first. I want to believe everybody, <clears throat> but as I've gotten older, you sit here and you watch this crap and you're like, wait a second, I'll believe any of this. So I don't know what to believe. There's a plane crash, suspicious, midair, Putin's rival, guy who tried to coup against Putin. I, I don't know. You tell, you, you tell me, all right? You tell me. We advertised it, so I'm going to talk about it here early. Brett Favre, you know I talk about everybody in everybody in sports that gets in trouble. They always come back. They always. It's like Pac-Man Jones, always. Brett Favre, always. So now Favre, despite being identified as a sender or a shipper on the face of these text messages, Favre objected and claimed he could not verify many of the text messages. So here's what happened. Brett Favre is, was in the middle of a lawsuit. He was in the middle of a lawsuit, basically a criminal action suit, saying that he and others, a couple other guys, conspired to steal welfare money from the state of Mississippi. He was then going to use the money and did use monies to build at Southern Miss where his alma mater, where his daughter was playing volleyball, a volleyball building. Beautiful place. Volleyball building. So Brett Favre, Back in hot water. Why? Well, here's what happens. When you get sued or you're in a criminal case, you get a letter, an email, a call, whatever, that says you are under obligation to turn everything you have over and under criminal law, do not discard anything. I got one of those one time. I did. I liked it. I did. I did. I did. So I'm like, wow, I should have discarded everything. Nothing was needed. But I started thinking about it. Wait a second. If they're telling me not to, that means it's important for me to discard it. Well, here's the deal. There are ways to find out. Email. So Brett Favre, in his infinite wisdom, in the middle of all of this chaos, didn't turn some email, or excuse me, some text message uh, over. Well, here's the deal with that. Now follow this a little bit. He was trying to build his facility. He didn't turn the text messages over that showed him and others complicit in stealing money. This wasn't, this wasn't just, hey, hi, oh, how are you? Things are great. 
I'm going to go golfing. You know, you know, you know what I mean? No. This was, hey, let's do this to get this money. And they didn't get turned over. Now, now, Favre may have a problem. Favre's problem is this. One, he's in now, the lawsuit jumps up because it kind of went away. Two, the text messages weren't turned over, which is a crime. But three, the text message, I'm going to read it here, allegedly show him conspiring on the scheme with other involved parties. Favre, and this is a quote, was identified as a sender and recipient of text messages. Now listen to this. Favre claimed he could not verify these text messages. Oh, his production produced no text messages, even though the state of Mississippi asked for them. Huh. I think Favre now has a problem, but it's a bigger picture. Isn't it bigger? The bigger picture is what I've always told you. See, I think you come to this show to get opinions on things and opinions from me that you can't get anywhere else. So I'm gonna, I've been giving this one to you. It's not really an opinion. It's kind of an observation. It's always the same people. Close your eyes. In five months, Joe Mixon's going to be in trouble again. Close your eyes. In two months, Antonio Brown's going to be in trouble again. Close your eyes. We're going to hear something with Brett Favre. Here's the worst thing that ever happened to Brett Favre. Texting. Remember, he was, you know, showing the packy to Jen Sturger. I think she, I think she was a sideline girl, or she was certainly a reporter with the Jets. So he was taking pictures of uh, Mr. Happy and sending them to Jen Sturger. That's our eight. Text messaging has killed Brett Favre. Don't let your fingers do the walking. That was an old ad. Don't do it. Hey, let's get to some NFL. So Trey Lance comes out of a small school. Trey Lance got all the drop back, run, throw. He's the next thing. The 49ers, who appear to me to be the most stable of organizations, move up in the draft to get Trey Lance. This is the next guy. We don't need Jimmy G. Trey Lance gets a shot, but he gets hurt. Trey Lance gets another shot, but he gets hurt. So Trey Lance gets his real shot this year. I mean, we're down to Brock Purdy, basically Mr. Irrelevant in the draft, doing a great job. Trey Lance can't beat him out. However, the plot doth thicken. Before the season, they went and got Sam Darnold to possibly be the backup because they're trying to win a Super Bowl. Like, they're not having Sam Ellinger as a backup. They're trying to win a damn Super Bowl. They're going to get Sam Darnold. So they get Darnold, they got Trey Lance there, and, of course, they got Brock Purdy, who played his way into the starting role. Lance gets another chance. Huh. He's third string. He's third string. I don't feel bad for the guy because he's making millions playing football. But I got to tell you, be careful. Be careful outsmarting others. Be careful when you think you're the smartest guy in the room and you know that Trey Lance or you know that Mitchell Trubisky is better than what everybody else thinks. You're the smartest guy in the room, John Lynch. Always. 
And you've shown yourself really to be, except for in this case. But when your team is smarter than everybody, be careful. Be very, very careful. Speaking of this, look, my Colts last night played, and Trey Lance, er, Anthony Richardson, was on full display. But I got to tell you, I'm watching Anthony Richardson. I'm like, huh? He may lead the NFL in rushing. But Trey Lance and Anthony Richardson were kind of the same guy. Big, strong. Never seen guys do stuff like this at the combine. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, really? I mean, either. Yeah, I don't know. What's going on? But I'm telling you right now, when you're the smartest guy in the room, it's a dumb room. Don't ever be the smartest guy in the room. Trubisky, er, Trey Lance, er. Hey, sometimes it does work out. We'll see with Anthony Richardson. By the way, Colts fans are all a tither. Anthony Richardson did the Fly Eagle Fly in a meaningless exhibition game after a meaningless score. And Colts fans are now standing on their heads, jumping up and down and crapping snowballs because of it. We got our guy. Now, I don't know if we got our guy or we don't. I hope we do. He's fun to watch. But okay, now, now you know the deal, right? Now here's the deal. Where's Trey Lance going to go? And here's what jumped out to me. This jumped out very, very quickly. Every team looking for someone, who's the first team you see? The Miami Dolphins. Look, the Miami Dolphins, Jonathan Taylor. Miami Dolphins forever, Delvin Cook. When you hear a need or a player of any kind of substance, and let's be honest, let's be totally honest, Trey Lance is really of no substance. The only substance of Trey Lance is that he got drafted really high. In terms of play, he's not a priority, right? I don't think. But it is fascinating. Every single guy out there, every guy, first team you see, Trey Lance. All right, you're going to agree with this. If you've paid attention, you're going to agree with this. Another day, another PGA Tour guy crying. So Scotty Scheffler goes through the season. And they got this playoff thing going on. And it's pretty cool. Like, week after week, guys get eliminated. Scotty Scheffler emerges throughout the season as the number one player in golf. So Scotty Scheffler starts the last, the tour championship at East Lake in Atlanta, minus 10. So he starts minus 10. Next guy, minus 8. He's got a two-stroke lead on the field going in based on the playoff format before. This is his reward, a two-stroke lead. Now, he has a 10-shot lead over number 30. Number 30, maybe 29, 28, they all have zero. They start even, like a normal tournament. Everybody starts even par. He's got 10 strokes on last, two strokes on second, and it's tiered. All right, you, you can follow this along. Okay. All these players are bitching about it. Here's what Scotty Scheffler says. As players, I think it's not the best identifier of who is playing the best throughout the year. John Rahm played some of the best golf of anyone this year. And he's coming into this tournament fourth, and he's two shot, uh, four shots back. In theory, he could have won 20 times this year, and he would only have had a two-shot lead. Well, in theory. In theory, you can win every time. But you know what? No one's ever won 20 times. You know, a good golfer, a good golfer wins about 10% of his tournaments. Tiger Woods turned it up to about 25%, which was unbelievable. Like, stupid good. But it's another day, another PGA Tour golfer. Now, I'm going to say this to you. I do respect PGA Tour golfers maybe as much, if not more, than any other athlete. Why? Because they're playing for their lunch. I almost say it every day. They are. They're playing for their lunch money. Think about it. 
One bad shot cost a guy $262,000 two weeks ago. It did. Now, he made a lot that week, but he also has expenses. It's not like every other area. Pro football player. Uh, I don't know where some idiotic outfit and shades. Guys there, videographers there, as he's getting on the private plane to fly to the five-star hotel to have a 10-star meal to play a football game and come back on same private plane. Um, no, PGA Tour guys make their own travel with the help of the PGA Tour, pay for their own travel, pay for their own lodging, pay for their own meals, play a tournament where on Friday, if you don't get close enough to the lead, you're cut, you got to go home, and you've lost money. Last of the Cowboys, ladies and gentlemen. So I respect them. I do. But I'm tired of them. Don't make me tired of PGA Tour players, PGA Tour players. I'm in your corner. I like you. But every week you're bitching. It's the third guy that's come out and bitched about this tournament format. All right? You guys, you clowns, come up with a better way. I tell you what, sit down, come up with a better way. But I'm tired of you. I am. The PGA Tour Championship is this weekend. Scotty Scheffler had the lead. All right? Great. He got a six on a par three. I was very happy to see that because I got a six on a par three yesterday. Colin Morikawa loses his mind. Colin Morikawa shoots 61. And now he took the lead. He's 10 under par. You know what the winner gets? I think it's $16 million. I'm going to say that again. $16 million. Nobody should be complaining. I like Jack Swarbrick. I like Jack Swarbrick. Jack Swarbrick is uh, the AD of Notre Dame. Jack Swarbrick. Well, let's hear from Jack Swarbrick right here, the AD of Notre Dame, on the state of college athletics. Can you sum up what's happening with college football in the last, where would you start? Complete disaster. How did, it, how did we get here, Jack? I wish I knew. And, and listen, I'm not, uh, every, everybody in the industry has to take responsibility here. I'm not uh, excluding myself from that. I think uh, the decision-making has lost its way in terms of the focus on the student athlete and what's primarily best for them. Um, but we are where we are and we have to try and make it work. I mean, we've been pretty uh, vocal in the past month about we need to find a home for Stanford and Cal that you can't have two of the great academic institutions in the world, not have a, not have a place to play. What? You know, I used to put in my Twitter bio, Commissioner of All Things. I used to. I've said this forever, and I'm going to say it until I'm green in the face. I don't like this shirt. It's amateurish. I love the shirt to wear, but it doesn't look good on TV. Makes me look like I just, you know, took a nap, showed up, threw a shirt on. But I'm going to say this. I've said this forever, and Jack Swarbrick finally caught up. College sports at some point needs to protect the institutions and the game. And I'm going to say it again. They need to protect the institutions, Cal and Stanford, and the game. I don't give a rat's ass about 18 to 23-year-olds. There's always going to be 18 to 23-year-olds that play college sports. They have nothing to do with it. They're there. They're renters. They're not buyers. They're just guys that show up, play well, 
get pay, and go. Everybody's kissing the ass of 18 to 23-year-olds. I don't care about it. Not even a little. Zero. I care too much when I coach. Now, I don't care if they get paid. doesn't matter to me one way or the other. I don't want to hear from them. I don't want to hear from a, a, a star college athlete until he's five years done playing because they're all entitled idiots. I had to listen to one the other day playing golf, and it was exhausting. They're children with entitlements. Five years after you're done playing, whether it's professional, then I can listen to you. You become a human being. Nobody cares about you anymore. You know, your mom and dad do. The people that cared about you before care about you now. And maybe some autograph seeker at an Indiana game. Hey, Dan, let's take pictures. But, you know, no. So Jack Swarbrick just said what I've been saying. We listen to the billises of the world. We cater to the silent minority or the vocal minority that says, oh, players need this. They're responsible for the game. No, they're not. No, they're not. Tyler Hansbrough played at North Carolina. Two years after he was done, North Carolina's in the NCAA Finals or the next year. Million Tyler Hansbrough jerseys. Millions of them at the Final Four in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, Tyler Hansbrough, without North Carolina on his, on his shirt, nobody bought a Matt Anthony shirt. That's the way he played, Matt Ants. Nobody bought a Fort Wayne Mad Ants Tyler Hansbrough jersey. The name on the front is more meaningful than the name on the back, but we're too stupid to know it because somehow, some way, in this idiotic world of ours, we got to cater to 18 to 23-year-olds instead of the sport and the institution. I cannot wait to have Emma Jo Morris on. Emma Jo Morris went in front of Congress and laughed. She is my favorite. She exposed and wrote about and got crushed for the Hunter Biden laptop story. Nobody better to have on today on a Donald Trump mugshot day than Emma Joe Morris. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. There's a scene in the movie where some guy says, I've loved two women in my life and it's dramatic. The next guest, I'm just going to say it. This may be misogynist. This may be sexist. I don't care. I love this woman. I absolutely love this woman. I do. Emma Jo Morris, I love. Emma Jo Morris got up in front of a bunch of idiots, uh, congressmen, that tried <laughs> to discredit or tried to... You take me through. What were, they, what were they actually trying to do? You went up in front of these guys. You laughed at them. You're like, you guys are... What, was, what, was, what were they trying to do, this committee? Um, investigate the weaponization of government, I guess. Um... I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. I don't know. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm, wa <laughs> I'm watching you go in front of a bunch of dudes, and you're like, look, uh, I don't know what to tell you. The Hunter Biden thing was real. You idiots said it wasn't, but it's just the simplest thing ever to know that the thing was real. Yeah. But I, but I, 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 I did investigate. I'm like, what were these people trying to get at? Um, they were trying to, well, okay, to be fair, I guess, like, there's something called, like, the record, like, the congressional record, which I guess is, like, for history or whatever, and they were trying to get all of these testimonies, like, into that record, um, so that they're, like, official under oath testimonies of the truth, so that's fair, and, and the topic was censorship, like, government censorship of, of protected speech through social media and stuff. So all of that is fair, but I just like, 
I think I'm pretty sure that the reason ostensibly why we're doing this stuff is to inform legislation about how to curb this happening in the future. And I didn't get the impression that like, like nobody asked me like, you know, I would have thought that if you were trying to like inform something, somebody would ask like, you know, what do you think the dynamic was that led to this, this like, you know, abridgment of the first amendment? Um, I don't know, like, what, what do you think are some solutions, like given your experience, like what do you think that there's any legislative path to preventing this? Like there was nothing to that effect. It was all kind of political talking points from both sides, which is really disappointing because this whole thing was so crazy. It's like, can we make sure that isn't allowed? Like, can we make that illegal maybe next next election? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Emma Jill broke the Hunter Biden laptop story and in fact showed us the hard drive here on this show, which I think is really cool. I don't know. People look at me like I'm nuts. And of course, um, well, you know, it was election interference. It's been shown to be election interference. Nobody wants to say it was election interference, but it was election interference. Is this is this what's going on with Trump? Is this election interference? What 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 is this that's going on with Trump in your mind? Yes, of course. Yes, purely and obviously. Because if you look at like, I mean, come on, you know, it's not like Trump is the. I mean, I don't even get what we're supposed to say. The crime is here, like, come calling the Georgia Secretary of State and like speaking in a way that was too aggressive. Like, I don't even get it, you know? I don't get it. And meanwhile, there are crimes that are really easy to get like the Clinton Foundation, which we like, you know, that wasn't that long ago. That was like, what, like five, six years ago that all that news was breaking and Peter Schweitzer was breaking it. Um, You know, obviously the Hunter Biden stuff, which is going on simultaneously as we speak, where we have this guy, David Weiss, who's like slow walking FARA violations and him clearly like representing the interests of a Ukrainian oligarch while not declaring himself as that and uh, having his father as vice president and everybody is just kind of, you know, moving along, not looking in that direction. And then you got a mugshot that releases of Trump. And I think that picture was like really jar. Like it was that picture, I think, changed things for me. I think that there is like a, a vibe shift, a paradigm shift. That picture is so jarring. Um, it's I, I don't really how actually so? know how to how to like describe how I feel about it. How so? Because it's the president of the United States, the former president of the United States, in a mugshot, like against like the cement back wall. It's like I don't know. There's something that feels so anti-American about it. Um, like un-American isn't even right. It's it's like anti like. And not only is he a former president, but he's running for president currently. And uh, and it's just too much. Like, it's just too much, especially given, and I hate being that person that's like, but, you know, the left is doing that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what? imagine if the right acted the way the left does. You know, I don't like being like that, but you can't help but say, state the obvious, which is Hunter Biden has, like, crimes enumerated, like, in photos, on paper, like, in writing, like... And and it's just right there. And he's like hanging out at the White House. Uh, I, I remember asking you what's on the Biden laptop and you're like, oh, crimes, bribes and porn. <laughs> you know? yeah. And they, that's basically the answer. And, and they've got up. Let me let me go the other way, because people are telling me, hey, Dan, what's wrong with you? Why, why are you guys so upset about the 
Trump mugshot, a, a jury of his peers, a grand jury indicted him. People got evidence and they indicted him. It's not the government, it's his peers. I say BS to that, but what, what, what is your reaction? You're smarter than me. It's not the government, it's his peers? What does that criticism even mean? These are legal, these are like- That means it's a grand jury. A grand jury looked at it, people, United States citizens on a grand jury said, hey, this guy's a criminal, let's indict him. There's enough evidence there. Does that hold water? No, like there's no, that's the thing too, is like, it's impossible to have a fair trial. It's impossible because he is the most famous person in the world. And he is the most controversial, one of the most controversial figures I think in the world. And he's currently running for president. So that puts motivation on jurors, you know, to rule, to decide one way or another. So I don't even get how this whole thing like makes like how they're able to square this philosophically even because it's impossible to not have a tainted jury. It's impossible to have a jury that doesn't have an opinion about the case, about the person who's at the center of it. It's impossible. I mean, this person was president for four years and he's running for president again. It's, it's, no, that doesn't hold water. And it's, it's impossible, like you can't run this. I mean, there's obviously a reason why we've never done it before. I mean, how would this even work? So when he's going to go to jail and Secret Service is going to be with him because he's a former president and he's now running for president himself? Like, it seems like nothing has been thought through. It's just get Trump. And that's what I think is going on. I think that these people do not care whether it's fair. They don't care how this plays out, practically speaking. They don't care what it means, practically speaking. It's just get orange man, orange man bad. That is the motto, orange man bad. And that's what their constituents want. You see these people, Fannie Willis and uh, Alvin Bragg are fundraising off of this. You know, Jack Smith in DC is probably never gonna pay for dinner again. And um, he's just, he. these people are just going with whatever they think their base wants. Um, and it's rabid anti-Trump hatred. That's exactly, I'm, I'm, I'm clipping that, I'm memorizing that, and I'm using that, and I'm not footnoting you that when anybody ever asks me about it. No, take credit for it. <laughs> no, I don't have any brain me. cells anyway. Take, you might make yourself look bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so to your point, my wife and I were driving yesterday. We had a two-hour drive, and we were talking about this, and my wife's really, like, very, very common sense. And she's like, okay... Are they trying to kill Trump? Like, is there, and, and Trump actually mentioned this, right? They're, they're trying to take me down. The next thing is to assassinate me. So I get this visual in my head of like Trump being thrown in a prison cell with three like really bad dudes because, hey, look, you're a criminal. You got to go in a prison cell. And they throw him in with dudes that are going to kill him. You know Donald what I mean? Trump like, is that what we're doing here? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And then the videos go off, right? Like, <laughs> That, that's like the next step you just mentioned. What are they trying to do here? What's the Secret Service going to be? You know, yeah. I, I don't know. Dude. It's it's insanity, my opinion. I mean, it's scary. It's scary to think about. I don't even like, you know, Tucker actually asked him that in that interview that they did uh, two nights ago um, during the debate. And, and I don't even know, like, what to think about that. I mean, it scares me to think about it. It really scares me. Like, I try not to. I try not to even, like, I, I'm, like, very new age and millennial, you know? And, like, I have all these, like, stupid spiritual beliefs that really don't make sense. And I probably pick them up, like, online. But, you know, I try to not manifest anything like that. I don't even want to talk about that. It's the scariest, most hor horrifying 
most terrifying, most awful thing I could imagine. I don't like, I can't, I don't know what the next step is. And I, I don't really want to. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, I'm going to get into some of the weird thoughts in your head at the end of this interview. Cause I want to hear them. I want to hear what's going on up here with the spiritual oh, no. thoughts. Cause, cause I need <laughs> some guardrails in my life. I need, I need some. It's like the law of attraction. You know, if you say something out loud, it comes. <laughs> right. Oh, that, when I was coaching, that thing was like my mantra. I watched that video every day, and I would say, let's win a game. Let's win a game. We're going to win a game. Exactly. Anyway, exactly. does Trump, that time. is Trump going to, is what others are saying, because I, I, and I'm being totally honest here, I trust you more than anybody. I do. And is what others are saying is how much this helps Trump win an election. Does all this, in your opinion, Emma Joe Morris, Oscar winner, Marconi winner, uh, Pulitzer Prize winner, all this stuff. Does this all help Trump win an election? So it's it's tough. So the people who are smarter than me say basically this is a killer for his election chances. People don't want this. They don't want the drama. You know, they want somebody new, new generation, no baggage. And uh, this is not like, you know, Trump is done. You know, that's that's what the people smarter than me say. I don't share that opinion because I like to, you know, I've always re really relied on my gut in politics and it's very rarely failed me. And my gut is like this. Just anecdotally, you know, I I was kind of on the fence about Trump for round three, you know, <laughs> And I was like, I don't know, like, I mean, he's great, but maybe, maybe it's time for something else. I was thinking about DeSantis. I, I like Vivek, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I was just open-minded. I was open-minded. Now I'm not open-minded anymore because supporting Trump is not just supporting Trump. It's a symbol of defiance of the establishment of the corrupt, you know, elite of the people who are going after him, these losers and, and people who have really just no regard for this country um, and who like, I just feel like that mugshot looks like to me, like the same reaction that I get when I watch somebody burning the American flag. And that is the way I feel about this election now is like, I just want to support the person in defiance of those who are desecrating the flag. And I think that this changes things completely. I think that this guy is going to win like the whole thing because it's just is there anybody much. go ahead no i was just gonna say it's just this is just too much and it's no longer about trump or any particular policy it's this is about just just giving the finger to the establishment to the deep state to the bureaucracy to all of these nerds and losers who are trying to take away our choice to vote for who we want they don't like our choice and now they're just trying to seize power from us from Washington. It's, you know, this is all, and like where it's all taking place is like so bad, Atlanta, New York, DC. I don't know. I, I think that this catapults him to the front and, and Joe Biden has a force to be reckoned with on his hands with this. Is there anybody in that debate? Like, it, it feels like people, you know, I, 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 we had uh, Ramaswamy on and he was great. Um, mm -hmm. It feels like, and this is what's being said, and I don't know, it feels like he, to me, you know, whether he's parroting Trump or not, but that dude makes sense to me. 
he, he makes sense to me. Uh, Pence, who's from Indiana, worked at the same radio station I did. Too plastic. Uh, Christy, ridiculous. Uh, DeSantis, probably a guy. What? That, that's my opinion on the very limited. But what, what's your opinion? Is there anybody here that, that can do anything if it's not Trump? That's an amazing analysis, by the way. That was brilliant. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that was genius. <laughs> Yeah, well, and like you rattled simple. it off too, like you didn't even have to. <laughs> no, but, um, no, it's just what I'm watching. Well, is there any alternative? Like, I don't know. You know, if Trump like doesn't like figure this out and and run in the general, like we're gonna have a problem. There is no alternative. No, no. I mean, there are some who are great and some who have great ideas. I actually, yeah, like I like Vivek's ideas. People don't like him, but I, I don't know. I think that he brings up good stuff that's like not fully like, you know, registering um, and that he is really yeah. elevating his issues. I think that he's great for that. Um, yeah, I think that there are some strong candidates or whatever, but no, no, this is all Trump all day. And if it's not Trump, it's Trump or bust. Do you think that, do you think the Democrats want Biden to run? No, no, I can't imagine that they do. And actually you're seeing stories now in the Washington Post and Atlantic Magazine. They're all coming out kind of slowly, kind of softly, kind of gently being like, yeah, so the Hunter thing is terrible. Joe Biden is definitely involved. Um, and this is like not good. Um, there's still a couple who are kind of trying to run interference, but it seems like either indifference or they're straight up turning on him, which leads me to believe that the media is the mouthpiece of the Democratic Party establishment. So if the media is is starting something that usually indicates like what the Democratic Party establishment is thinking. And uh, I think that they're kind of trying to find a way an exit ramp um, on Joe Biden's candidacy. But then it's like, who do you put in? Is it Kamala Harris? I don't think so either, even though she's technically supposed to be, I guess, the heir of the of the, of the nomination. I don't really know how it works. Um, and and if she's just entitled to it, um, and obviously we have official rules and like unofficial rules. But I mean, Trump destroyed her the other night. He said she speaks in rhymes. Did you see that? He's she said he speaks in rhymes, and I lo I was laughing for I think five hours. <laughs> yes. Like she can't run against him. Oh, <laughs> uh, as soon as he said that. I envisioned, you know, him and like with Hillary, her on stage and with him. And I'm like, man, Camilla better up her, a better upper game uh, just a little bit if she's going to hang in there. You know, one of the things when you look at our country and it's sad because I asked you about one 70 something year old guy who's got three indictments going uh, a mugshot out. And the other guy's like 80-some years old, doesn't know where the hell he is half the time. And when we mentioned who might run, you're like, yeah, there's nobody else. What a state our country is in. Seriously. I mean, maybe this is historical. Maybe Hubert Humphrey back in the 70s wasn't any good. And, you know, Sergeant Shriver was on, like, lobotomy juice. I don't know. Maybe it's always been this way, right? No, but it's not. What a state. Well, it's not that we don't have good people, you know. First of all, I think that there's much better people on the, both the right and the left who never foray into politics because look at this. You, you know, look at this. Yes. Or 
Or it's like they're going to start calling your girlfriends from when you were 15 years old and try to find somebody who you played spin the bottle with who is like mad at you after or something. You know what I mean? It's like, so there's so many reasons why we don't have better people running for office. It doesn't necessarily mean that that is, you know, the best we have. It's just the best we have who are willing to face this, this these like, like, rags that we call newspapers um and uh so so that's one thing and second of all i don't even think that we necessarily don't have good republicans who are currently in politics it's just that trump like like i said you know if if they think about why the reason would be that trump isn't in in the running it's because they eliminated him through lawfare political lawfare so that's why i say that there's nobody that it's trump or bust because Coming in from that, it's like people are going to be so incensed that like there's no like, oh, let's just go back and find a different candidate and talk about the issues now. It's like, no, people are going to be too few. Like it's going to be just if there is somebody who comes in and promises just retribution, like like hardcore retribution and, you know, to start jailing everybody in sight in Washington and like dissolve the FBI. Like that'll be the only I guess I didn't state it. I, I didn't really state it right. You're right. There are great people in this country, but I guess the question would be, why go into politics? Unless, you, of course, you look at what Barack Obama's hey, done. He, he he never had a job. If you needed a community organized, I guess you call Barack back in the day and say, hey, we got a bunch of people standing around over here. Come organize us. Next thing you know, he's a senator. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's in a $12 million mansion. I mean, I don't know. If you're young enough and you think you can you can make a go of it, what the hell? Yeah, I'm going to tell my kids to uh, be aim to be community organizers, apparently. <laughs> Lance on Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, well, that's a thing that I think is the point, which is they they create an environment and a circumstance where the only people who can run for, for office and run to hold power are people who play ball with the establishment. And it's very clear what the rules are to protect you. I mean, Kamala Harris speaks in rhymes and uh, is is never investigated by the press at all whatsoever. Um, there's zero scrutiny. There's zero real, like she's treated, you know, with, with kid gloves. And Joe Biden has been too, for that matter, for his whole career. This sketchy thing with Hunter that's been going on has been going on forever. And uh, they they are are transmitting a message that, you know, if you play nice with the establishment, if you play nice with the bureaucracy, then you can come, you can you can run for something, you can get some power, and we're not going to have any problems. It's when you come and you're an anti-establishment entity, you're an anti-establishment force, that's when it's like, if you run, you're going to go to jail, and also we're going to find your girlfriend from when you were 15 years old and call you a rapist. Right, right. Uh, I got about a, 30 seconds. Does Hunter Biden eventually see the jail, the inside of a jail? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. I mean, we saw what David Weiss comes up with. And as, as far as David Weiss is concerned, all Hunter's done wrong is uh, forgot to pay some taxes, which he, uh, you know, kind of picked up now. And so we're good. That's all, you know, squared away. And, uh, oh, he just had a gun and, and you know, he'll just maybe pay a fine. I don't even think so. And, you know, we should be good. You know, that's what David Weiss thinks. So if he's a special counsel, I don't think so. I think the Hunter thing is, I don't want to, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe Congress will step up in some way that, you know, and they have one, one more trick up their sleeve. I don't know, but Hunter is, 
he he always finds a way to land on his feet. It's unbelievable. It, it, no, it's really unbelievable. And David Weiss is now the special special counsel or whatever. And he's the guy that wrote the apparently. I, I, I love talking to you, so screw 30 seconds. The Department of Justice, it, 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 the judge in that case was like you. The judge in that case just laughed at this thing, basically, right? Like, yeah. Like, what the hell are you people it? doing here, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that was it. It's like, it, it wasn't even, it. if it was up to him, like David Weiss, like, you know, we would all be one, one big kumbaya moment right now. But uh, the, it was the judge that looked at this and was like, how does this even make sense? Like, no, you can't have immunity for crimes that you might commit later. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what we got as our special counsel. It's like, it's such a troll. You can't even wrap your head around it. It's really a thumb in the eye again. When, when I, when I saw that and the judge's reaction, I, I just went this, well, you can't. I said it earlier today, and this this sucks because I always trusted newspapers. I grew up, I, I delivered newspapers because I wanted the newspaper when I wanted it as a 10-year-old, for crying out loud. And you can't trust the Department of Justice after that thing. That's, Emma, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I can go on and on, but they're telling me I got to wrap. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. I'll be back. Don't worry. We'll have more time. <laughs> She's awesome. I love thank talking you. to that woman. I'm telling you. I love Emma Jo Morris. I do. I just love talking to her because she just says it like common sense. And I like people that with common sense kind of look at you like it's common sense, you idiot, and then they laugh. I think it's great. She did it right in front of Congress. But every time she's on our show, she's fantastic. Unbelievable. Just so much fun to talk to. Just every time. Uh, I got a bunch to get into. I want to get into some baseball coming up here. And, and this is going to be fun. You know, we introduce you to people like Emma Jo Morris. We introduce you to people... Not only do we have the best guests, you know, we've had Vivek on, we've had Ted Cruz on, we've had Charles Barkley on, Urban Meyer. I mean, you name it, we're going to get it from you. But sometimes we like to give you a guess that maybe you didn't know. Maybe you didn't know who Emma Jo Morris uh, was. A lot of you didn't know who Jason Hammer on. The next one is Phil Caulfield, who's an independent baseball player, but he's really smart. And we're going to get him on to talk some baseball. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, a couple of things. My beloved Colts may have a star in the future. Anthony Richardson did that fly Eagles fly thing. Stupid, ridiculous. Karma's going to come back to get him in a preseason game. But hey, for us in Indianapolis, we like it. We do. We do. And by the way, I have always said this. Now I'm 61 years old. I know I look 30. I know I'm, I'm, I'm that kind of handsome. I don't like the shirt. It's an old man's shirt, but that's all right. But so now what I've always said to you and my listeners is I need appointment TV. I need to have something where at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is on today. I'll give you an example. U.S. Open being played out west. Appointment TV. You go about your day. You do your day. Then you're like, oh, yeah, 8 o'clock. I can watch the final round of the U.S. Open. Appointment TV on a daily basis for this guy is the Cubs. Excuse me. It's the Cubs being in a pennant race. There's nothing on right now. I don't care about, I don't know, uh, exhibition football. I don't. You do. I don't. I don't care about, you know, the the position battles of the Colts. Who's going to be the third tight end? I don't care. Don't care. But give me, after my birthday, Cubs in a pennant race. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. And last night, it was 3-3. Three to three. It was getting a little sexy. Cubs ended up getting the W. And I, ladies and gentlemen, am here for it. I am. 
We're going to talk some baseball. We're going to talk some baseball. I got some stock up and stock down. You're going to like Phil Caulfield. Stay with us. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. I love having interesting people on the show. I do. Phil Caulfield joins us. Now listen to this. Phil is an independent baseball player. He plays for the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs. Let me ask you a question. Uh, Playing for the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs and playing independent baseball, my sense, and we talked a bit about it off air, is number one, it's an absolute blast to keep playing. And number two, places you play are pretty damn nice. Yeah. No, I mean, what a lot of people don't understand about independent baseball is it is – very, very similar to the minor leagues having played there before. The only real difference is that there's no affiliation tag to your team. So, uh, you know, for us, it's, it's been really cool on my journey to be able to play with the guys I play with. I played for the Long Island Ducks earlier this year, and I played with Daniel Murphy, Danny Echegria, and a lot of guys that have played in the big leagues, won World Series and things like that. So uh, it, it, it's, it's definitely a very fun journey. Hold on. Daniel Murphy, the second baseman, he played for the Mets. He played for the Cubs. He he, yeah. he, he crushed my soul when he was with the Mets against <laughs> the Cubs. He's still playing independent baseball? Well, he retired for a few years and then wanted to make a comeback um, and just kind of see what he could do. So he joined our team, the Long Island Ducks, uh, right before the season started in spring training and he was with us until he got picked up by the angels so right when he got picked up was right about the time that i got traded over here to the southern maryland blue crabs um but playing with that guy was nothing short of one of the best baseball experiences i've had well you've also played with steven strasburg um for those people that don't know, Strasburg came up as maybe the greatest prospect ever, all that kind of stuff. Won a World Series. Uh, he retired. You know, again, I'm old, but it feels like it's way too early to retire. What's your reaction from a guy that you played alongside with with the Nationals in the organization? It's it's hard to be able to gauge that considering how high of a prospect he was and, you know, elephant in the room right how much money he got paid um so i think you look at that it's 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 really it's it's saddening to a degree i mean i remember there was one time in spring training where we were at the complex and everyone's pretty much done with the day and then we're all eating lunch and then i go look outside it's sweltering heat of florida and this guy's running liners outside And he's bigger in person than he is on camera and how fast he was moving. I was like, God, this guy gets after it. So he was doing everything he could to get as healthy as he could. But sometimes it's just one of those things that lingers. And unfortunately for him, it overtook a lot of the talent that he had. So for me, it's just, it's, it's sad to see. Let me ask you, what's it like when you're in a minor league organization and you're playing with a guy like Strasburg who's making all this money, got all this big bonus? I mean, is, is there animosity there? What, 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 what's it like? Walk me through the dynamic. Yeah, I think uh, it's a lot different for a lot of guys in the minor leagues that got paid a lot of money and that didn't. Um, I've been able to be around a lot of guys that have gotten paid a lot of money, first rounders and things like that. No animosity whatsoever. Um, 
once you start rolling, they just become your teammates, just like anyone else. Obviously you read things and hear things about them on media outlets. And now with social media, it's like the top prospects are like movie stars. It seems like compared to, you know, what they used to be, but, um, no, no animosity at all. Um, it's pretty cool though, to see, uh, how they start off and then where they get to as far as how fast they can go through the minor league system. Cause like I said before, to reiterate, I mean, they play in a little bit of a different minor league system than I would say 85, 90% of the guys there. Um, so, I mean, I've had a lot of buddies that have gotten paid a lot of money and that are in the big leagues right now. So I root for all of them. Who is the guy that's really good that you played with who is in the major leagues now? Obviously, everybody's really good, right? I mean, everybody's stupid good. But who is the guy that people maybe don't understand how good the guy is? Is that an unfair question? You you get my question? No, no. Yeah, I get your question for sure. Um, Well, I'll give you a guy that I played with the national system with. His name is Jake Alou. He is with the nationals right now. I played with him. He was a 24th round pick, not a prospect, came in from Boston College, um, and he absolutely tore the minor leagues up. And uh, he did a lot of really things, or a lot of things really well at the right times. And he showed them that he can be a legitimate hitter at the upper level of the minors. And then he's gotten his chance this year to go up to the big leagues. Um, And he was a guy that, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think Major League Baseball does a good enough job of marketing guys like that because it shows that, hey, just because you're not a top-round pick doesn't mean you can't make it to the show. you know. And I think the perception on the outside looking in is you have to be a first, two, three, four-rounder to make it to the big leagues. And in reality, that's not really the case at all. Um, and he's a prime example of that. And I wish I wish Major League Baseball did a better job marketing that, to be honest with you. You know, baseball, it, 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 you know, the woods are full of guys, 32nd round, Mike Piazza's, that kind of stuff. But the truth of the matter is the draft has now become such a thing where you're right. The perception is that. Um, I got to ask you about Otani. You're a baseball player, professional baseball player. When you see – I'm going to go two directions with you, uh, uh, Phil. When you see what Otani does as a player – I'm not talking about the injury yet. I do want to get to the injury – when you as a professional baseball player see what Otani is doing, what are your thoughts? Like, average fan maybe doesn't appreciate what this guy is doing. Right, right. So, I mean, from a baseball player's perspective, every team you're on, whether it's high school, college, professional, you'll have your leaders at the top of each team that – will lead the team and two or three guys will lead the team offensively. Two or three guys will lead the team in pitching in different categories and things like that. I mean, if you look at this guy, he leads them in damn near every offensive category in hitting and in pitching, which is absolutely unheard of. Um, And for me, it's just, you know, to, I couldn't even imagine playing with a guy that leads us in hitting and all pitching at the same time. And I think to his credit, I think it helps him because I've found that the less you can focus on, I mean, obviously he's uber talented, but I feel like the less you can uh, just 
vitalize your focus on one thing, sometimes it can help with the overthinking aspect. And I think if he can go on the mound and shove, it helps his confidence at the plate too, because baseball is such a game of failure and he's succeeding in a lot of different things. So I think it's, it's, it's unicorn type stuff. If you were a major league baseball team, would you, if you were going to trade for Otani and you wanted Otani based on what's happening, you know, with the ulnar nerve and all that kind of stuff, would you let him pitch? I would let him make a chance to come back. Yeah, I would. Um, like I said, I don't think that's something you can find. And now um, you look at what guys are doing in the draft. Uh, the Giants drafted a guy last year. His name's Reggie Crawford, two-way guy. They drafted another two-way guy this year, too. So he's making the two-way um, stint a little bit more popular. Now they're giving guys a chance to do it. I knew a lot of guys in college that wanted to get drafted as a two-way, and organizations were pretty hesitant on it. And now that Otani is showing that, hey, it's possible – organizations are saying, Hey, yeah, why not do it? So, um, I definitely, I would definitely give him a chance to pitch for sure. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I mean, you want him, he's so good at, at everything. Hey, uh, last thing before I let you go, I, I ask every baseball guest and you may know nothing about the Cubs, but here's my question. Are the Cubs going to win the world series this year? Uh, I'm going to bet. No, if I'm a betting man, I'm yeah. saying no, I like the team uh, a lot. I think, they have, I think they have really good players. Um, I have a couple of buddies on the team, uh, that I played with growing up. So I, I root for guys individually on that team for sure. Who so, are the guys? Um, I Cause like, I want to root. I, 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 who are your friends on the Cubs? Uh, I played with Miles Masterboni. Um, he's been a utility guy for them. Yeah. Um, I used to have a buddy on the team. He's on the nationals now. Actually, his name's Corey Abbott. Uh, I played against Nico Horner growing up. Nico's a really, really great player. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Master Boney pissed I, I me off one day. He, 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 Master Boney pissed me off. He was in right field. He didn't make a play. And I remember putting out on Twitter, because hey, I'm a huge Cub fan, I go, you guys bitched uh-huh. about Hayward and Wright for years, and now this slug falls down and doesn't make a play <laughs> and we lose the game. <laughs> you know, typical, typical fan stuff, you know, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. but Hey, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Hey, hey, thanks a lot for coming on, Phil. Really appreciate you. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, I did early in the year. Everybody in Chicago ripped on, on Jason Hayward. I'm like, wait a second. If you watch Jason Hayward play, he's pretty damn good and right. And Master Boney comes in and I don't know what happened. It was early in the year. I was crabby because I thought the Cubs were going to suck. And I didn't know who he was. Uh, he, he, I don't know what happened. Something in right field. And I'm like, yeah, Cub fan, there you go. You bitched about Hayward for years and years and years. And there you go. Now the Cubs are actually pretty good. I mean, actually, if you watch them, I mean, you're right. Nico Horner is a terrific player. And I'm all in on Look, I'm all in on the Cubs if they go 0-162. What do I care? I, I don't care. Hey, uh, we're going stock up and stock down. Now. If you get a stock up from here or you get an interview on here, this is how we should sell the show. Vivek Ramaswamy, Vivek Ramaswamy was a guy. He was a guy. People knew he's a guy. Well, our staff here at Don't At Me, well, they knew that if we get involved with Vivek Ramaswamy, things are going to take off. And guess what? The campaign manager, Zach, for Vivek Ramaswamy knew what Aaron knew, what Gary knew, 
what Dylan knew, what Ryan knew, what Nick knew, was that, hey, if you get on this show, you will take off. So stock up to not only Vivek Ramaswamy, but stock up to Dylan and Gary and Aaron and Ryan and Nick and Katie and Haley because they understood that Vivek Ramaswamy was a guy before you guys understood Vivek Ramaswamy was a guy. They understood all Vivek Ramaswamy needed was to come on our show and it would be, it would be, let's go, Brandon. Anyway, and what has happened? What has happened since the appearance on our show is that Vivek Ramaswamy has become the guy that all the other candidates, see my eyes, watch my eyes, watch these beady little beaten down eyes. All the candidates are looking left, they're looking right, and they're coming right at Vivek Ramaswamy. And really, it started once he showed up on our show. So an open invite to Nikki Haley. Also stock up Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley, if you would like to get your, if you would like to, if you would like to get your campaign really going, if you would like to get serious about your campaign, if your campaign would like to be serious, do yourself a favor. Get on this show. Jim Banks is going to be the next senator from the northeast portion of Indiana. Guess what? Jim Banks. His campaign took off when? When he got on this show. Vivek Ramaswamy, according to Tim Poole, is the top Google search on Google. That's thus a Google search. It is Vivek Ramaswamy, it is Inter-Miami, a.k.a. Messi. It is Prigozhin, the guy who just got his plane, well, either got his plane blowed up, allegedly, or something happened in the air. And then the NVIDIA, NVIDIA stock. And Vivek Ramaswamy at 2.5 million plus Google searches, over four times more than Messi and Inter-Miami. You want your campaign going? You show up on this show. Nikki Haley, we love you. You know we love women. We love smart women. We love intelligent women. We love tough women. We love powerful women. We are a champion of women. You want your campaign to take off, Nikki Haley? You come on this show. It's what you do. It's how we roll. Nikki Haley, stock up when you said the absolute truth. And I know Margaret Margaret Thatcher said it, but I appreciate that you gave her credit. The footnote went there. You said, you want someone to talk about it, ask a man. You want someone to do it, ask a woman. I paraphrased. I like Nikki Haley. I ain't got no problem with Nikki Haley. You know, everybody on the internet has something bad to say about every candidate. Ramaswamy is a 9-11 denier. No, he's not. I've read what he said. I watched what he said. Just stop it. Nikki Haley is this or that. No, she's not. Stock up to the body but if you really want your career, your, poli- your political campaigns to take off, this is the show. The proof is in the pudding with Ramaswamy. Oliver Anthony, you stud, you. Weekend stock up. You just keep killing it. And you keep killing it, and you keep killing it, and you keep more killing it. In fact, again, like Ramaswamy, you're doing so well that people are coming after you. Yes, they are. The Libbies are saying, well, is this song racist? They always put that in there. They cannot stand that the silent majority is now becoming vocal. They cannot stand when things don't go their way. And Oliver Anthony 
You keep doing you, big boy, and you keep making that green, but don't ever change. Don't let money screw around with you. Be the guy you are. Write the songs that you write because you have resonated in this country like no others. Well, not true. Jason Aldean, Try This in a Small Town, resonated because we just got off two years ago the bullshit summer of love where five cities are burning because idiots can't control themselves. Where a small town, Crown Point, Indiana, as I told you, the fellas just stood on the wall with their guns and dared the rioters, the protesters, to do anything. Try it in a small town was great. Oliver Anthony was great. Stock up. First weekend of college football. Now, I got to tell you something. This is just me. This isn't you. They call this week zero, which is so stupid, but okay. You know, idiots in college football, the idiot college media has to have something. The Nicole Arbaugh's and the other idiots in college media have to have something to talk about, right? Okay. Okay. All right, Stuart Mandel. We got to have something stupid, okay? But the truth of the matter is Notre Dame's playing Navy and I got no interest. I don't. Uh, I'm going to have interest, possibly, if I can figure out something to bet on. I just got a sassy little seven-team parlay. Yeah, seven teams in a parlay from Dylan. Dylan hits usually six of his seven. Dylan will hit five of six. Dylan's just good enough to get you broke. Like, he's good enough to say, all right, man, that was close. Man. If they just didn't, Dylan's the man when it comes to six out of seven, five out of six. But you know what? I keep busting it because I know one day luck's going to turn on Dylan's side and I want to be on that train, baby. I want to, ooh, ooh, I am on the train. But I got to tell you, I ain't watching most of this crap. I'm not. I'm sorry, I'm not. Uh, Notre Dame Navy, I'll get a look because I like Navy and I like my friend Scott Strassmeyer, who's the SID at Navy. I like, love it, actually. All right, having said that, a lot of this crap don't interest me. I know we're supposed to like Vanderbilt because OutKick is based in uh, Nashville, but I got nothing for Vanderbilt, Hawaii. I will have something if there's like a 10:30 game on, and this is why the destruction of the Pac-12 is crushing my soul. And this is why ESPN no longer having the Pac-12 crushes my soul because I like the late game. I do. But stock up, it is week one of the college football season. And I got to tell you, I'm okay with it. Stock down TikTok. It's a combination. I ain't mad at TikTok. I go to TikTok. In fact, I would argue that not necessarily TikTok, but Instagram family guy videos or Bill Burr videos, I watch more now than I watch TV. I went up to bed last night. I played golf in 100 degree heat. I got my brains beat out by my friend Bart Fox, Lee, myself, and Bart. I did a show in Chicago. On the way back, we stopped at a course in Merrillville and played. All right? I got my brains beat out, 100-degree heat. I've never sweated that much other than in the sex or other than when I was playing basketball. Other than those two activities, I've never sweated as much as I did last yesterday playing golf. And I tried to combine two of them. Lee was there. What the hell? But she wasn't having it. Anyway, I digress. So next thing you know... Uh, I get my brains beat out. I'm not happy about it, but I, I go to bed early and I was watching Instagram instead of the Colts. That's weird. But TikTok, you're worse now because the idiot right there on the left, Jackson Mahomes is back. He's back. 
don't know if he's going to jail or not. I hope he doesn't. I don't know. But anyway, the fact that he is back, him being back, is no good. No good. I don't like it. I don't want to hear about it. No good. He makes everything worse. If he shows up, it's worse. Period. It just is. I'm sorry. It just is. If he doesn't show up, it's better. It is. It's just better. All right. Stock down Sohei Otani, and I don't like it. I don't like it. But, hey, we want you to be the best ever. We want to say we saw Otani. I have seen Otani play in person. I want to say, you know what? Best I ever saw was Otani. Now, his team stinks again. He's hurt again. So that sucks for us again, just the way it is. But, hey, if you keep getting hurt, then I got to go with a stock down. Hey, fellas, side note, get the Brian Clark video ready because I want to play it in this next one. So, Tani, I need you back. I do. I need you back. Stock down Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark is one of those racists on ESPN. He's one of those guys. He wouldn't work with Sage Steele because Sage has conservative views. Somehow, someway, Ryan Clark has become a guy. A good football player, Ryan Clark, with the Pittsburgh Steel. He was fine. He's good. He's all right. Yeah, he's fine. Gets in the media. All right. And somehow, some way, uh, a diversity award makes him the best analyst. Somehow the Emmy Award for best analyst went to this guy. So Ryan Clark, we know he's a racist. We know he's a bit of a fool. Uh, we know he's a crazy liberal. So good for Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark overstepped his bounds because Indiana, or Indiana uh, ESPN has gotten really stupid. He compared Tua Tungavailoa to a fat stripper at the Onyx Club in Atlanta. It's what ESPN's become. It just is. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. If you choose to watch it, then fine. I don't watch. If I see Ryan Clark on my TV, I just turn it. I do. That's my prerogative. But apparently, Ryan Clark, uh, I did see the video of him calling Tua Tungavailoa. Tua shot back and said, look, we're pretty tough people, Samoans. Might have to get more aggressive. And then yesterday, Ryan Clark, in a pandering apology, said this. Let's play the Ryan Clark apology video. Yesterday, Tua Tungvaloa had to answer questions about something I said on Monday, something that I truly just felt like was a joke to me, that I've realized as the week has gone on, if this man has to answer questions about it, if so many Miami Dolphins fans are offended by it, then people ain't taking it as a joke. So let me be very clear. If I've offended you, Tua, if I've hurt you, if I've disrespected you, if anybody that supports and loves you feels some sort of way because of what I said, I truly apologize. I had two. Let me explain something to you. Um, you're not supposed to do that. No, he's full of crap. And I understand, you know, he's a tough guy. Uh, you know, he's a tough guy. He, he, you know, he played linebacker, defensive back. He's a tough dude. But you can't, he, look, hey, Tua, if I offended you, tough. Tua, you're making millions of dollars. I said what I said. You're not here to placate the players, Ryan Clark, you idiot. You're here to be an unbiased, you idiot, C. Sage Steele. 
journalist or media guy or entertainer or whatever you want to call him. And if you offend a player, so what? Who cares? Now, I don't know if this is some silly forced apology from ESPN because the dumbass went on a stripper reference, which shows that he's really a dirtbag behind closed doors. And, of course, the fat-ass idiot that he was sitting at the table with laughed because that's what ESPN has become. Now, Ryan Clark, now do Sage Steel. Now talk about how you were a complete dumbass when it came to Sage Steel. I mean, you got all the cute words on Twitter. You got all the cute little sayings. You're that guy. You're that little D-bag guy. You got all the cute sayings. You got all the cute little stuff. But, hey, all right, the deal is simple. The deal is this. You're no good at your job. You keep a job because, well, we all know why you keep a job. You're a racist. You're a liberal, crazy person. And now we can't even take you seriously because what are you going to do now? Pander to players because one player called you out. It's amazing how soft dudes are. Now, I don't know if this is a forced apology, but I say to my friend Pat McAfee, don't ever make a forced apology. Don't ever. All right, there's our stock up and stock down. See, I love this about Urban Meyer. He's absolutely right. I made the mistake when I was coaching of coaching everybody the same. I did. I coached everybody the same. I worried about the walk-on. I worried about the walk-on. I worried about everybody. I worried about every single person. I coached them like they were all my kids. Now, the word on the street is that Urban Meyer had old-school two-tier coaching. And if he did, good. Good. Hell yeah. Look, let's be honest. All I ever hear about from morons is that, well, you know, you know, uh, it's it's a business. It's all about winning. Urban said, I'm going to treat my superstars like superstars and my blank, blank, blank. And if I treat you like blank and you want me to change, then you got to find a way to make yourself a superstar. Now, people are losing their mind because, well, what does treating someone like blank mean? It's just the same. He didn't abuse anybody. He didn't say, because you're no good, you're all part of his team. So he treated you good, but he just didn't treat you like a superstar. Now, Maybe in, in Swamp Kings or maybe Brandon Seiler saying this because it's easy to say. He treated you like him. Nobody's ever going to say, well, you know, he treated you like a regular player and he treated superstars like superstars. Look, to me, Urban, now this is also just a player speaking. Urban Meyer treated you like it's a business. Urban Meyer, if you were great, we've always said this in sports and people get mad about it. If you were great, Your talent outweighed your flaws and your pain in the asses. If it did, great. If it didn't, you got to go. I applaud Urban for this. I wish I did this. I wish when I was coaching, I did this. Look, I didn't. I worried about the walk-on. And you know what walk-ons became? Entitled and pains in the ass. They do. They are. I'll give my son great credit. He never became that. Ah, maybe I became that. I don't know. But he became, it's what you should do. Let's be honest. If you're a superstar, treat them like a superstar. Make sure they're ready to go on Saturday. Make sure they're ready to go on Sunday. If you're not, tell the guy, hey, look, you're not good enough for my attention. You're not good enough. Work hard. Get good enough. I'm down with this. 
But this isn't a bad thing for Urban. This is a great thing for Urban. And Brandon Seiler, he said to treat him like ass. He didn't treat anybody like ass. They all got the best meals. They all got money in terms of scholarship. Well, maybe not walk-ons got scholarships. They all did everything everybody else did. They got to play big-time football. No one's really being treated like, shh, they're not. So just stop with that nonsense. Just stop hating on it. Good for Urban. I love it. I don't like it. I love it. I think it's great. Let's make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a superstar in any industry, you're treated like it. You know, somehow, someway, Stephen A. Smith is treated like a superstar. Every comedy makes is like gospel coming down from God, and they're all mostly stupid. So let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. Uh, I don't know what this means. Uh, Siler loved it, said it motivated. Yeah, if that motivates you, then you're a fool. You should go there. I've always said, you don't need a coach to motivate you if you're truly great. You don't. You go there. You don't need to, quote, play for a coach. I've told this story before. I talked to the Indiana basketball team. Like, see all those banners? I was involved in all these banners. Not one team ever gave a rat's ass about the coach. Now you guys worry about, I want to play for this coach. I do want to play for this coach. I don't want to. Stop. Stop. Now. From Siler's standpoint, I understand, hey, I want to be treated like Tebow. Hey, I want to be treated like Joe Hayden. Hey, I want to be treated like these guys that are great. I get that. And you know what? Along the way, they won. And as Urban has said on this show numerous times, we judged our program by wins and the NFL draft. And he ain't wrong. Love it. Love it. Wish more coaches had the cojones to do that. A lot do. They just don't want you to know. But that's genius, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is Don't At Me. The news of the day is Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen, did two things yesterday. Well, got himself arrested, which is so funny, so ridiculous. What are you going to do? Put him in a cell with, like, Bruno, the murderer? And hope Bruno, the murderer, Jeffrey Epstein's him? What are, the, what are we going to do with that? Are we going to have secret service in jails now? I mean, what's going to happen here? Donald Trump gets arrested. Donald Trump gets arrested. But you know what Donald Trump did, ladies and gentlemen? Donald Trump stood tall. Donald Trump posted this mugshot, and it is glorious. So many wimps in this world. And then, ladies and gentlemen, the second news of the day is Donald Trump went on social media. Nope. Nope, not his social media, True Social. Nope, 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 nope. Donald Trump went back on Twitter, and I am here for it. I'm betting Twitter stock jumped yesterday. I don't even know. I didn't pay attention. But with the Donald on, now, of course, the liberals of NBC News and others are saying, well, this video shows Donald Trump is not fit for office. Yeah, maybe it does. I don't care. I don't give a damn. Who is fit for office? Is Joe Biden fit for office? Is Dr. Seuss or Kamala Harris fit for office? Is Dianne Feinstein fit for office? Was Barack Obama fit for office? Was Big Mike fit for office? I mean, who's fit for office here? I mean, if you're running for office, you're probably not fit for office. But the fact of the matter is, the liberal media hates that Donald Trump is not acquiescing. Donald Trump yesterday in a speech that I thought we could show, but we couldn't show, came out, spoke to reporters, and basically said, screw all of you. I'm going to do what I do. I believe what I believe. And if you don't like it, screw you. And I thought that was fantastic. See, we live in a world of wimps. 
We live in a world of Ryan Clarks, big, strong men that are wimps. We live in a world of Greg Doyles. Uh, uh, Greg Doyle, columnist, boxer, but a true coward when you have sex, when you're married, with women that are married, particularly young women with young kids. That's the Greg Doyle way. We live in a world of cowards and wimps as men. We just do. So, you know, what can I tell you? Donald Trump isn't that. Donald Trump stands up. Donald Trump isn't afraid. Donald Trump, unlike Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, when things got hot between the Live Tour and the PGA Tour, he needed a week off for stress. I, I'm stressed. Oh, I'm stressed. You know, people are on my ass because I made fun of Pete Buttigieg taking eight-week maternity leave. Apparently their child uh, wasn't necessarily healthy. Well, you know what? Neither was I when I was born. I was in an incubator. You know what my dad did? He went to work. Let me tell you, maybe that's why it turned out this way. You know, I am willing to die. People always say, don't you little skinny jeans millennials always say, are you willing to die on that hill? That's a weird hill to die. Yeah, I'm willing to die that we got a bunch of pussies in this world. We do. We got a bunch of babies. We got a soft-ass world. And Donald Trump is not that. He is not that. He's not that at all. He's standing up. He continues to stand up. And if anybody was smart, you would look at Donald Trump and others his age, maybe my age, and learn from us instead of act like you know it all. Me and Chasson, we have to take eight weeks off because our baby. It got hot between the PGA Tour and the Lyft Tour and my arrogant ass, Jay Monahan. I've got to take a week. I need a me week. I need a me week. I have to take me time. It's stressful. Shut the living hell up. You go, Donald Trump. You keep kicking everybody's ass. You do. You just keep everybody, keep kicking everybody's ass. Thank you, Van Pasterman, for joining us all week. That's right. A lot of guys on the YouTube chat are wondering if Tommy's married. Let me tell you something. She is married to a cool dude who's been on our show. And yes, in person, Tommy is as awesome as she is on the freaking air. So don't at me, people, because I don't want to hear about it. All right. Joe Biden was talking. Joe Biden said, hey. I don't know nothing about it. I was working out. I didn't know nothing about a plane crash in Russia. The big guy lying again. Another day. Another lie from the big guy. Let's hear from the big guy, can't we, Dylan? I want to hear from the big guy addressing reporters with his little latte, his aviators, and his hat. I'd wear a hat, too, if I looked like him. Let's hear about it. I asked about this by you. I said I'd be careful what I drink and what I wrote in. I don't know for a fact what happened, but I'm not surprised. Do you think, do you, do you believe it? I mean, not much that happens when Russia is not behind, but I don't know enough to know the answer. I've been working out for the last hour and a half. Look, full disclosure here, I, 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 I don't believe a word the guy says. And here's my deal. When I don't respect you, I can't stop. I wish I could but I can't. And I have no respect for our president. I hate to say that. I respect the office. And maybe my respect for the office and what it should mean facilitates my lack of respect for the man currently holding the office. Does that make sense? Like, I don't respect Greg Doyle, so I can't stop. People are like, well, let it go. I, you know what? When I lose respect, it's just who I am and how I am. 
You know what I mean? Like, that's just me. You know, again, everybody's different. Everybody is. That's just how God made me. I wish he didn't. But you know what? That's how God made me, and I love my life, and I love how I go about it. But once I lose respect for you, it's kind of over. It just is. So if you hear me talking about the same people every day, it's just because I don't have respect for them. Uh, Jack Swarbrick, I have respect for. Jack Swarbrick ran the Pan American Games here in Indianapolis and did a great job. My sister worked for Jack Swarbrick and really liked him. And I respect, if my sister likes you, 25-year prosecutor, very smart woman, then I think you're pretty, pretty good too. I respect my sister's opinion. But Jack Swarbrick is the athletic director at Notre Dame. Jack Swarbrick is considered a very smart guy. Jack Swarbrick said this about the current state of college athletics, not just football, but college athletics. Can you sum up what's happening with college football in the last, where would you start? Complete disaster. How did it, how did we get here, Jack? I wish I knew. And, and listen, I'm not, uh, every, everybody in the industry has to take responsibility here. I'm not, uh, excluding myself from that. I think, uh, the decision-making has lost its way in terms of the focus on the student athlete and what's primarily best for them. Um, but we are where we are and we have to try and make it work. I mean, we've been pretty uh, vocal in the past month about we need to find a home for Stanford and Cal. That you can't have two of the great academic institutions in the world not have a, not have a place to play. What? No shit, Sherlock. I mean, really? I mean, I've only, you know, while Jack Swarbrick and other white dudes are giving in to the media uh, and giving in to different diversity groups to get players paid and open up the quote, it's not my quote, but I'll use it, wild, wild west of college basketball and college football and college sports in general. I have said this and I will continue to say this and I'll let you crush me. And Jack Swarbrick just said it. College athletics isn't about the 18 to 23-year-olds. It's just simply not. They play, good for them. I played, good for me. It's about the institution. It's about saying Indiana. It's about playing Indiana basketball. It's not about me. What about Alford? Alford made it better. Alford enhanced it. I captained an Elite 18. But it was because of the opportunity that the coach, Bob Knight, in creating Indiana basketball into a superpower and the university gave us. We come and go. Players come and go all the time. But at some point, you got to protect the institution and you got to protect the game. Do I want players paid? I honestly don't care. Should they be? I would argue they always have been, including me. Not from illegal sources, but a full scholarship, meals, food, the whole deal made it very easy on me. I didn't have to work at Scott Ladd Foods at 5 in the morning like my brother did to pay for college. I have to do that. Long story short, ladies and gentlemen, Jack Swarbrick said what I have been saying all along. Cal and Stanford need a place to play. They're the institutions. They're the places. They're the places that matter. The player, not one player on any Big Ten team had anything to do, anything, with the current Big Ten media rights. Nothing. Past players did by enhancing the league. I'll give you one difference of this, Johnny Manziel. Texas A&M, uninterested. Texas A&M, eh. Johnny Manziel enhanced that place. I'll give you another player, Archie Griffin. Archie Griffin, back in the 70s at Ohio State, 
is kind of the poster child, in my opinion, for a player making a difference. Ohio State was great, but Archie Griffin's legacy continues. That's like two players out of a million. Don't tell me Bo Jackson did anything for Auburn. Don't t- Cam Newton did for a little bit, but it's still Auburn. It didn't really make a difference. I'm just telling you, we can all bitch, moan, and whine about, well, the, the deal in college basketball, but guys like Swarbrick and others had no guts. They had no foresight. They acquiesced to the Jay Billises of the world. They acquiesced to the idiot writers, the idiot media guys that didn't really bring any substance. They had sound bites. Billis's sound bite is this. There's just not enough money. That's a great sound bite. And he's not wrong. Jay's really smart. But guys that actually coached, head coaches, been in coaching a long time, knew that this was going to be a blank show. So the players got paid. And people inside the sport say it's a blank show, not because players get paid, just because the sport, the integrity, the the institutions is just not good. And you're seeing it. Cal and Stanford cannot find a conference. Every year, Stanford wins the all-sports Capital One Cup, which is the best sports program in the country. They win it every year. They've got more Olympic gold medals. They've got more national champions. They've got more than everything. But they can't find a conference. Why? Because we're acquiescing to student-athletes, we're not acquiescing to the freaking institutions. You know, I love my Fridays with Haley. I do. I love my Fridays hanging out with Haley. Who doesn't love Fridays with Haley? You know, if Haley goes to, I don't know, 6th and Peabody and hangs out, get the 6th and Peabody and hang out with Haley. I've hung out with Haley at 6th and Peabody. It's fun. I've hung out on Sundays with Haley. It's fun. And I love my Fridays with Haley because look at Haley. Always happy, always in a good mood, but underneath that beautiful exterior lies the soul of a champion, lies the heart of a lion. Yeah, (laughs) that's right, ladies and gentlemen. What do you got for me this week, Haley? What do you got? Give me something that you're hot on right now. I love that introduction, and I appreciate that. Um, obviously I talked about this with you a few weeks ago, but Disney is absolutely botching all of their classics and they are becoming the butt of the joke on social media. Go woke, go broke is so real. And I think that I'd be shocked if anyone showed up to see this Snow White movie after all of the awful press tour that's been going on. So now people are making jokes. And if you've ever, if you can imagine what a boardroom meeting is like with Disney woke executives, this is what it would look like. Okay, live action Tangled movie. What we got? Okay, Rapunzel is traditionally a beautiful blonde with green eyes. What if we just hire exactly that and just make a good fucking movie? Yeah, you're right. So we're actually in the talks with an actress right now who is not white. Love it. Who we thinking? Jada Pinkett Smith. But she's bald. Uh Uh-huh. But what is Flynn going to hold on to to climb the tower? Hair grows other places. (laughs) That is so funny. And on Monday, I'm going to give you an example of that exact thing happening in the NCAA, happening with the NCAA Basketball Committee. A friend of mine just sent me, he got 
nominated for an oversight committee in NCAA basketball, Haley, and he sent me the screenshot. The first question from the lady doing the hiring is, what's his ethnicity? And the athletic director, who's the guy's boss, said, I'm not answering such a dumbass question. That, and I got to tell you, that Zegler lady, the actress, she's horrible. She's like yeah. horrible. Like, I, I get maybe that she wants to be, but her, I don't know what it is. Some people are really good and they can say stuff and make it likable. She's like Megan Rapino. She's unlikable, that lady. A hundred percent. And to your point there, I mean, affirmative action is detrimental because now you're just putting people in jobs where they really don't belong to be there in the first place. And I don't know what Disney's, I don't know what their plan was with this Rachel Zegler. I've never seen her act in anything else before. I know she was in West Side Story and maybe something else, but I've never seen her. I don't know if she's a good actress, but I think they wanted to not cast a white woman so she's Hispanic and that's fine. I don't care about that. Like that's fine, but make sure that she's the best actress for the job and make sure that she actually likes Snow White because if not, you're going to run into a lot of issues when she's on the red carpet, you know, talking about how, oh, Snow White's kind of scary and I never really even liked it. And even when I watched it as a kid, I would have to turn it off. And She's not going to be saved by the prince. And this is like a feminist hero story. And she's going to take over the world and show her late father how she's true and brave. And it's like, oh, my goodness. Like, it's just, it's too much. And I I, I think that these Disney executives, they sit around these boardroom tables and they think, like, how can we walk on eggshells? How can we not get canceled? How can we please everyone? And in the process, they please no one because they're pissing off anyone who ever liked the original Snow White movie or the original Haunted Mansion movie or the original Little Mermaid movie. Just make, if you're going to remake the movie, remake the movie. That's fine. But if you're going to make all these woke changes, why don't you just write something new? I, I am with you. Or, you know what, you can make those woke changes. And I, and I don't, all right, how do I put this right? Because the Supreme Court way back was asked about pornography. And one guy said it this way. He goes, I don't know how to define pornography, but I know it when I see it. I feel the same thing about likability. I don't know how to describe likability, but I know it when I see it. You know what I mean? Like this Zegler, like, she's totally yeah, she's unlikable, and that, and I, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. You know what I mean? But when I see it, I know it. So maybe somebody else would have been able to pull this off and not be, I don't make make you not hate the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe not. Maybe it's just a ridiculous. Yeah. You can't do it. You well, know what I mean? Exactly. And Barbie was one of the most successful movies it's i think they grossed a billion dollars it was the uh best like female directed movie and margot robbie who played barbie absolutely crushed the whole press tour all the junkets the red carpet appearances she became barbie she loved barbie and she was selling barbie to the people rachel zegler's not selling 
shit. Like she's just absolutely going out there and saying, yeah, I don't even really like this movie. So then why would anyone else watch it? That's right. That's exactly right. That, 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 that is exactly right. And of course, our media is going to kiss her ass for being brave and all this happy horse shit. But the truth of the matter is, uh, no, if you don't like the movie, you don't like the premise and you're unlikable when you present it, well, I'm not watching it, but you're absolutely right about Barbie. Again, I, I know it when I saw it and Robbie did a great job selling it. And this lady is awful just for whatever the reason. I don't know the reason, but I I know it when I see it. Did you see that Rachel Zegler's tweets from 2020 resurfaced where I'm sure you're aware of Gina Carano who was canceled. She was an actress in Disney's The Mandalorian. She refused to put her pronouns in her Twitter bio. I guess Disney wanted all the actors and actresses to put their pronouns in their bios. And she said no. And I believe in protest she made her twitter bio pronouns beep boop bop or something like zigzag or something like dumb (laughs) and uh disney fired her and rachel zegler came out when that whole thing went down slamming gina carano and she said pronouns are cool don't make fun of pronouns pronouns aren't a joke and so we know where rachel zegler stands she is a radical feminist true blue Democrat through and through, and it's showing. And I feel like when you're trying to sell Snow White to the American people and abroad, I mean, shouldn't you sell it to everyone? Shouldn't Snow White be something that everyone wants to go see? And she's making it so targeted towards this like radical, you know, Democrat, liberal, woke faction that obviously she's a part of, but it does, it's not representative of the whole group. And they're they're definitely no, gonna see it, 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 the box office. I hope I, I hope they see it and I hope they get bud lighted. Let's put it that way. Exactly. <laughs> right? That's what I Alright, what do you got for me, lady? Alright, let's play the first one. I just like chocolate mocha for Karen. Actually, I asked for no whipped cream. Oh, I'm so sorry. There you are. I actually asked for that hot. Oh, my God, you're right. Girl. Jesus, wait a second. (laughs) What did I just see here? Is this an angry worker? Is this a funny thing? Is this a staged thing? What did I just see here? It's staged. So the workers behind the counter are making fun of the fact that Karen's will come up and, you know, they obviously ordered something one way and then they changed their mind and they expect the Starbucks workers or whatever workers to bend over backwards. And uh, yeah, so they're making a joke there. And I did check the comments. That's awesome. Those two ladies are managers or superiors, so they weren't going to get in trouble for doing that. (laughs) So they were the bosses and they could do whatever they wanted. And I'm glad they did. That's pretty good. That's yeah. really good. Look at her. <laughs> Big cleanup job after that, but I guess it's worth it for TikTok likes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's good entertainment, right? I mean, it's funny. I, I, I really like that one. That's going to be a hard one to beat. All right, who's next?
even read that. Mate, uh, I, my, full disclosure, see that outfit? Um, when I was in college, I was this kind of cool. I went and bought a fedora, and anytime we would travel, and it was cold because in the Big Ten, playing at Indiana, it's cold in Iowa and Minnesota. That's my look right there. I put my fedora on, and I have my trench coat, and I thought I was very, very cool. But it was 1983. I mean, what the hell? That's a good. Is that a good look? I don't love that look. It's very Oppenheimer esque. Um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't enjoy that look. But I guess if it's raining, and I appreciate dressing up nicely. I feel like people look like slobs nowadays, so I, I appreciate that, but I don't love this look. All right. That's fair. I mean, you know, it's an old school uh, Mad Men kind of look. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a little mafia. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I'm with you on it. I don't think he pulled it off well. I, I don't know why, but I, I, didn't, I didn't think he pulled it off great. If he was fatter, if the guy was fatter, it would have been better. A little more rumpled. I don't know. What, what else you got? Big Kurt! Oh boy! Let's go, Curtis! Okay, that's what I'm talking about, Curtis. Let's go, Curtis! Let's go, Curtis! 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 Let's go, Curtis! Oh jeez! Let's go, boy! Let's go, Curtis! <laughs> Why you talk about? It's a foul ball. <laughs> he tried his best. Oh man, that's Listen, awesome. He didn't nah. have the pep in the step, but he tried. He tried, and you know what? <laughs> the guy's gonna be the guy that everybody wants to hang out with as he gets older. He's gonna be the guy that everybody invites to the party, right? Because he's gonna be fun. He's gonna laugh. He's gonna, you know, exactly. he's gonna do all those things. But. I, Hey, look, I got to vote for number one. I do. I, I, I will never vote for anything with a parent yelling. Is that you again? Yeah. I'm on a roll. Uh, I, I did. You are? I know, that's like three or four in a row. But I think this yeah. is funny. I think the whole thing is funny. I, 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 you know, you try not to go with stage, but I don't care. I'll never vote even though the guy, the kid was funny. And uh, the other one, eh, it was okay. But uh, this one wins, in, in my opinion. What's on the docket this weekend? I don't want to get your stalkers. I know you got stalkers and all kind of people following you, so I don't want to let them know exactly where you are. But what's going on with you this weekend? I'm hanging out with some friends. I'm going to go shopping on Sunday. Um, I'm going to try to get all of my um, chores and stuff done on uh like tonight so that i can enjoy the rest of the uh the weekend but maybe top golf nice all right all right all right last question who's more popular drake or taylor swift okay i have to go taylor swift on this one just for the sheer fact that her tour is crushing it she's uh been proven to improve the economy um, I think the Wall Street Journal was reporting that, that her tour has, her tour as well as Beyonce's tour have literally uh, helped lift us out of this inflation slump, uh, which is crazy. And I don't personally like Taylor Swift. I don't like her music. I don't think that she's that great. I don't think that she can dance. Um, so I think that if you're going to put on a tour like this, you should be able to be a triple threat. 
Um, and I think that there's a lot of bells and whistles that she's adding to make it more exciting. Um, but I personally like Drake better than Taylor Swift. I like listening to rap music and I think he's more talented than Taylor Swift, but I think Taylor Swift's the bigger businesswoman. She's a mogul, she's successful, and she definitely has more fans, if not more fans, definitely crazier fans. You know, there was a time, and it, and it was, I'm going to say, my daughter, I took my daughter and a bunch of her friends to the state fair, and Drake was playing that night, and it wasn't a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it was... Yeah, and I'm going to say it's at least 10 years. It's got to be more than that. I think it was Drake because I remember walking in and the whole place smelled like weed. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, whoa, all right. Uh, but I think it was Drake. I could be wrong, but I remember it was like, but Taylor Swift, to your point, here in Indianapolis, people are saying that the Taylor Swift show each night is going to add to the economy, the downtown economy, the restaurants, the bars, the hotels, the same as a Colts game, which is pretty good, which is the oh. biggest thing. You know, that's what they're saying. So, yeah, I, I don't love know. that. They say a lot of people are, yeah. You know what else? And I've never heard this um, in, at a concert, but they said a lot of people are just going to come downtown early that don't have tickets to just be around the vibe of a Taylor Swift yeah. concert. I'm not sure and I've ever heard that. Yeah, a lot of people just go outside the stadium. They sit in the parking lot just to hear a little bit of it. Um, that's That shows how popular you really are. So I think people probably aren't doing that for Drake. So to answer your question, Taylor Swift, definitely more popular, at least right now. I agree. I, I agree. And if we had more time, I mean, last, last thing, we got a minute. How, how has this happened? Like Taylor Swift's been around for a long time. She's always been popular. But this is like an explosion. This is like DEFCON 20, this thing's yes. blown up. Yes. Why? So I'm not a Swifty expert, but I think she had waited a long time before going on tour. I don't remember when her last tour was, but she's had a few albums come out, and this is kind of the accumulation of Taylor Swift. It's called the Eras Tour. So it's, you know, songs from her first record and her second record and all of her records and all of her costumes kind of go with each theme and era of her life. Um, so I can see why that's intriguing for people who have been fans of her for a long time. Um, and all the girls are getting together and they're giving each other friendship bracelets and um, I don't want to yuck anyone's yums. I think it's a little weird for adults to be doing that, but... Oh, well. Appreciate you. Have a great weekend. You too. Love Haley. Love my Fridays with Haley. She brings the goods. She does. She brings the goods. She brings opinions and she brings videos. And it's a nice chat. Hey, have a great weekend, everybody. Cannot thank Nick and Haley and Aaron and Gary and Ryan and, of course, Dylan for all their hard work. Katie, thank you. I think Josh is in there, a new booker. We're having a great, great time on this show. Thank to all of you for watching on YouTube. By the way, Two Big Brains coming up in 10 minutes on our YouTube channel. It's Ken Sterling and I talking all local, reacting to Aaron, uh, Anthony Richardson and, of course, the Colts last night. Join us on our YouTube chat. Just go to YouTube, 
two big brains, and then get back here and get when uh, 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 Clay's show comes on and, of course, Hot Mike. We'll see you on Monday.